If I had a choice, and of course you have already said to me we all have choice. <laughs> Maybe we do. At the time I didn't seem to have one. But if I could have, I would like to be different than what I am. I would have liked to have been different than what I was, yes. It would be better. It would have been better for me. I would have liked to have had a better outlook on life. But I can't change yesterday. Hi, my name is Madison, and you are listening to Who's Knocking, a true crime podcast. That's where the camera is. Um, welcome back to my channel. Welcome to a new episode. Today, we're doing the start of a multi-part deep dive, which I'm super excited about. Uh, I think these are my favorite type of episodes to do, so indulge me, if you will. Um, I'd just also like to say that if you have watched a few of my videos, if you haven't, I would love it if you would uh, subscribe to this channel. That would be super helpful and great for me. Um, if you would comment or like or share this video, that would be dope as hell. Uh, please consider doing so. I also put out a newsletter every Friday. It is a true crime newsletter um mostly talks about stuff in the news uh suggestions on different documentaries books etc etc um it's just fun it's free you can sign up for it at grimweekly.com and you can also see uh old older archived um issues if you don't want to commit to the free newsletter and you want to take a, a gander you can do that at uh, grimweekly.com I'd love to have you. It's fun and I enjoy doing it. So please sign up. Today we're talking about Richard Kuklinski. Mm -hmm. So coming in hot with probably one of the highest kill counts I've ever heard of, if he is being truthful, Richard Kuklinski is hands down one of the scariest human beings I've ever come across in my life. And I've come across a lot of just depraved, horrific human beings on the internet, not in real life. Um, but he is, he is one of the scariest human beings. Um, at the same time, there is a little sliver of, of a person inside of this horrible monster. And that little sliver is one of the saddest, most broken little children that I've also ever come across. So this is the Iceman. Richard Kuklinski was born on April 11th, 1935 in New Jersey City, New Jersey. His parents were Stanley Kuklinski, a Polish immigrant, and his mother was Anna McNally, who was the daughter of Irish immigrants. Now, Stanley worked as a brakeman at the Lackawanna Railway Station, and his mother worked at a meatpacking facility. Neither of these professions were uh, particularly pleasant work at all. It was definitely the norm um, in the community that they were living in. They were living, um, as I said, in New Jersey and uh, specifically where they were living, there was tons of immigrants, lots of uh, obviously Polish, Irish, uh, Russian, Italian. There was um, a lot of 
uh, immigrants, working class, very blue collar. Everyone's dad worked at a factory and everyone's mom, I guess, worked at a meat packing plant. That That's just the type of people that they were surrounded by. Um, and they did live in um, government housing, I believe. Uh, they were not, not a very well-off family. Now, both of Richard's parents were physically abusive. And like quite horrifically physically abusive. His father was an alcoholic who brutally beat the shit out of Anna constantly. He was very jealous and he constantly berated her, always harping on the fact that she was not a virgin when she married Stanley. Um, so basically from the start of her, their marriage, he's like, you're a whore and I hate you. What Anna actually never mentioned to Stanley was that she she had had sex before marriage, kind of, but it was because she had been brutally raped by a priest in her church on multiple occasions starting at age 10. Although I kind of doubt this would make a difference because Stanley seemed like a right asshole. Um, but for more context, Anna's parents had both died when she was a child. So she and her two brothers were sent to live at an orphanage where the nuns, beat them and the priests were sexual predators. So needless to say, she grew into a very miserable woman and like, God, her childhood also seemed like it was brutal. Both of his parents were violent and they would beat the kids completely arbitrarily, which is just the worst way to beat your kids because they then live in constant fear and like, there are consequences to that. I didn't like my father. He would beat me just because uh, he felt like it. to get my attention, I guess. He would think nothing of coming in and smacking you. You know, basically. He'd just come in and give you a whooping for no reason whatsoever. And my mother was cancer. She would destroy everybody. She thought I took too long to do something. She didn't hesitate to give me a swat here and there. And she didn't just use her hand, she, she would hit me with a, a broomstick or something like that. It wouldn't, it hurt. Now Richard's father, Stanley, took to beating Richard and his older brother, Florian, so badly that just the sound of Stanley's voice often caused Richard to wet his pants, which then caused Stanley to beat Richard because he was such a loser for wetting his pants. I'm air quoting here, like, you know, he was a huge dick about it. He beat the humanity out of his own family. He literally did, and you will see this. Um, and worse, his beatings went way too far with his older son, Florian. Stanley struck his son in the head so hard that Florian fell to the ground dead and little Richard was only five years old. I don't know if Richard saw this, but he was aware uh, that this happened, but in, in his own like five-year-old way, like he didn't literally understand what was happening. But it was the case that Stanley Kuklinski beat his own son to death. I just like let that sink in how depraved this man was. He beat his family so hard and so often that he, in a way, accidentally, but you know, you kind of have to debate whether or not that was an accident, but hit his, his own son so hard that he died. Especially as a mother, it just makes me want to throw up. Now, 
the death of his son did not stop Stanley from continuing his physical abuse. It did for like a few weeks. He was like a little gentler. He's like, oh shit. But after that, he just went right back to uh, his same level of physical abuse. Um, there And because now there were less people to abuse, uh, there was, you know, less less people to share the burden of the beating. So um, it was arguably even worse. Now, Anna appeared to be powerless to Stanley's beatings and all she knew uh, all she knew to do really was to go down to the church and pray about it. But evidently that didn't help. Now, Anna came from an extremely strict religious background. As I said, she was raised in a Catholic church orphanage. She was super, super Catholic. So to her, um, you know, she didn't... <laughs> she would take in all this abuse and then like instead of like going to a friend or telling somebody or doing anything she could to protect her own children she just prayed about it because that that was the only tool in her toolkit really for this type of thing um which is super unfortunate because there was no one listening to those prayers unfortunately now within a few years anna gave birth to two more children for she had a girl and then a boy so they had this larger family with three kids and everybody covered up the fact that stanley murdered his own son um they just went on with it and pretended that he fell down the stairs now when richard was a teenager his father abandoned the family which i have to assume must have been at least a little bit of a relief uh but still not great because now anna had to work a bunch of jobs and was a single mother trying to raise three kids and they were poor although i think i would take poverty over constant beatings i don't know i'd you'd have to ask them Anyway, Richard was at this point kind of left to fend for himself. His older brother was dead. His father was gone. He was a super skinny kid and he had really big ears that stuck out, which were really adorable, but I'm sure kids were not nice about it as they're not ever. Um, Richard was very shy and introverted and he couldn't seem to figure out how he was supposed to make friends. He had zero self-confidence and one might not see this just from looking at him, but he had a completely warped worldview because Richard was absolutely surrounded by violence everywhere he would go. At home, it was complete violence. At school, kids made fun of him and beat him up and they were violent towards him. So uh, unsurprisingly, he grew to view the world as a very violent and cruel place. Like, which is, like, how would he not? And not only that, but Richard's family were dirt poor after his father left. And although Anna was working two jobs, it just, it wasn't enough. So Richard often had to steal food if he wanted to eat. And he got pretty good at it. And mind you also, Anna was working a couple jobs and she had no money. But she was also really bad at spending money. And it was almost as if, like, she didn't really care about her kids eating. Um, she was really quite a shell of a person, it seemed, uh, who had really no skills or motherly instincts um so i think it, it definitely could be said that she maybe could have afforded food and fed her children but uh her own lack of skills and humanity made it so that she didn't and so richard ended up stealing food and he he, he was he was quite good at at stealing and anything criminal really um richard did grow to be very angry and a very violent young man and he started taking a lot of his rage out on stray dogs and cats he was brutal 
and absolutely sadistic with them and often tortured them with fire and beatings before he killed them. I just don't think I'm going to talk about the specific incidences that he, we will get into some really brutal shit. I don't know. Why is it so hard to, to mention specific instances where they beat and torture animals, whereas it's not so hard with people? I think it's just because they're Animals are so purely innocent. And I'll say this, since I've had, I used to really love animals, like really interested in animals, love having pets. But ever since I had kids, I just, I care so much less about animals. I still find them super fascinating and like they're nice. Would never, I don't like dislike them. Um, but I'm just like way more, I feel way more neutrally about animals than I did before I had children. Anyway. Richard was not neutral against animals. He, well, he did think neutrally of them, but he just, he was an animal serial killer, essentially, and a very sadistic one. So Richard became a young, angry, resentful young man. His behavior was completely unchecked by any reasonable adults. The only feedback he got from the adults in his life was in the form of beating or maybe yelling. And Richard obviously had a horrific childhood. There is no way on earth that a child could experience this level of torture and come out normal. This is obvious. Um, however, this does not excuse what he went on to do later in life, but it absolutely explains how he took the worldview that he did, which equipped him to become the depraved killer that he would go on to be. When I was a young man, I found out that if you hurt somebody, They'll leave you alone. Good guys do finish last. When I tried to leave everybody alone, just do my own thing, everybody just wanted to hurt me. Until one day, I just decided, well, I've had enough of this picking. And I went upstairs, and I took a, uh, a bar, which the clothes used to hang on in the... Uh, closet and I went back downstairs and there were like six young men still figuring they were gonna mess with my head and uh, we went to war to their surprise I was no longer taking the beating I was giving it and that's when I learned that it was better to give than to receive. If you're aware of like, you know, um, criminal profiling and, you know, the science of, of that, um, there is, a, it is, I think, a little bit outdated, but the serial killer trifecta is when in your childhood you experience bedwetting, head injuries, and you're into arson. You're, you set fires. And then there's also the... Uh, the torturing of animals, which is more than uh, more than the three, but that's in there too. But anyway, Richard had all of these. He tortured animals. He was beaten in the head so often and so badly, often to the point of unconsciousness. So I would have to assume he suffered a concussion or two as a child. Um, he wasn't a bedwetter, but we did see he wet his pants at the mere sound of his father's voice. Um, so I kind of feel like that counts. What did I say? Bedwetting? Oh, yeah. And he often during his animal torturings, he used fire. So I think it all counts. Now I will tell you about the 
first time Richard killed anyone. Now, the first time that Richard killed anyone, it was technically an accident, although I think that is uh, debatable. Now, Richard had been beaten very badly by this set of Irish brothers who lived in his neighborhood in the, in the co-op housing that he lived in. And they would often berate Richard and tease him and be awful. And this is when he's in high school. Um, so on one occasion, they beat him up so horribly that he had to spend a week at home recovering. Now, this made him very angry, and he decided that it was time to retaliate, that it was time for him to uh, buck up and and seek his revenge. So after his week at home, um, he made a plan. He waited outside their building on one winter evening uh, when it was very cold and dark and so there was nobody around and he waited for one of them to arrive home and when he did Richard went nuts and he beat the shit out of this boy only Richard went too far now I have to think that this incident perhaps reminded Richard of when his father beat poor young Florian to death although I have no idea Richard, again, was only five at the time, so who knows what he remembered. But still, both cases have a lot of similarities. Richard went too far beating this child and beat him to death. Now, Richard panicked, of course, but he was determined not to get caught. And he just kind of went into this mindset. He, he panicked and then he was like, okay, let's solve this problem. He had been super into crime magazines at the time. Uh, the, these were super popular they don't make them anymore, I don't think. Um, I guess kind of like true crime magazines and there was lots of like sexual overtones and, uh, but it was a pretty popular thing. A lot of these guys seem to like them. BTK was super into them as well. But anyway, because he had read those and like was super familiar with the idea of crime and et cetera, et cetera, he knew exactly what to do. He took this kid's dead body and he put it in the trunk of a car that he had stolen that was down the street. Because remember, Richard is super into stealing. He's stealing cars. He's stealing food, whatever he can. Um, so he put, them in, he put this boy in the trunk of the car and he drove two hours outside of the city into this wooded area. And he then took a hammer and smashed the boy's teeth so that they could not be identified. Then he chopped off the boy's fingertips, all 10 of them. Then he dumped the body off of a bridge into a frozen lake. And then he took the teeth and the fingertips, got in the car, drove to a different area and sprinkled them all around, hoping that they would be found and eaten by animals. When Richard got home, he realized what a good job he'd done at remaining calm and covering up his crime. And he felt good. He felt in control. He was pleased with himself. And after that, nobody ever so much as looked his way for that boy's disappearance. Richard was changed from that point on. He was quick to be violent towards other and he became much more confident. People who used to pick on him quickly learned not to mess with him. If they would, he would be the shit out of them with a baseball bat, which he took to carrying around. He was not messing around anymore, and he was determined not to be a victim anymore. And again, it's that sense of control that it gave him that I think uh, is really where he 
grew into a man, if you will. Um, his whole life, he had had zero control over anything and he was just a victim of violence by every adult in his life and then in school by other kids. You cannot underestimate how empowering and how important that idea of feeling in control for the first time was for Richard. Um, Like, it's just, it's life-changing. It was for him. With his newfound attitude, Richard stopped going to school. He started hanging out at bars and getting really good at pool. And so he started making money by playing against other people in pool. And now Richard grew to be super tall. And as soon as he started being like violent and shit, like he became like a big guy. So he looked like an adult. He definitely could get away with saying like, I'm an adult (laughs) when he was like 17. Richard then started to gain a reputation as a very violent individual, somebody that one ought not to mess with. And, uh, you know, being that type of way, he then uh, met a couple other guys who had similar brands and the five of them together formed a little gang and they called themselves Coming Up Roses, which is a bit clunky for a name of a gang if you ask me, but it's not the worst. And so the five of them got together and they would commit crimes together. They'd rob stores, they'd rob people and houses as well. Um, They would, you know, stop trucks and whatever. They were mostly stealing and their, their goal was to make money and they were violent if necessary. Now, Richard was a very careful planner and he was very good at making sure that they were never caught. He, he was, he was smart. He was not not a stupid criminal. Richard somehow knew what he was doing. He was not good at a lot of things, but he was very, I guess he must have had a very good like self-preservation instinct, which I think uh, led him to be a good criminal. One of the aspects of being a good criminal is not getting caught. Um, And he, he was a great planner. He didn't do anything stupid. Um, he he wouldn't make mistakes and he wouldn't take unnecessary risks. Now, at this point in his life, Richard was a violent dropout criminal. His sister was developing a reputation of her own. I don't know how you're supposed to say it nowadays, but um, she was sleeping around a little bit. She was promiscuous, um, which I don't judge. It's just a fact. And I'll say that Richard was also very promiscuous, uh, but he was a man, so nobody cared. Just saying. Um, His younger brother, Joseph, was pretty similar to Richard. He was pretty much a budding psychopath for the same reasons that Richard was. He was lived in the same family and, you know, took the same beatings. Um, He was also violent and had extremely antisocial leanings. I think misery just ran rampant in his family and clearly none of them were going to turn into well-adjusted adults. Um, But all of these issues with his siblings definitely added to Richard's resentment towards his parents because obviously he blamed his parents um, and I suppose his family as a whole. Although he hated them and this we'll see as a pattern, he did, um, he was very protective of them. Um, Like he grew to understand, I think later in life that 
his really the problems with his mother were mainly the fault of his father. Um, and it did take him a very, very long time to come to this conclusion. But he was protective of his mother. Like the, the father had come over a couple times and Richard was like, get the fuck out of here or I will kill you. Um, and, you know, had a, a gun to the dad or whatever and kept his father away from the, the rest of the family. He does say later in life, he's like, I regret not killing my father. I wish I had killed him. Um, for all that's worth. And I kind of don't blame him for that. His father sounded like a piece of human trash, garbage, on fire, poop, horrible. Richard is 19 or so, 18, 19. He's had one person that he killed. And I'm going to tell you about the second time he killed somebody. The second person that Richard ever killed was a local cop. This guy was playing pool with Richard and his buddies at some bar and this guy just kept making fun of Richard like poking at him teasing him and Richard did not like this he did not take kindly to people ever even slightly embarrassing him or poking fun at him he wouldn't have it but being the mastermind that he was Richard didn't just pull out a knife and start stabbing away, although he would have loved to. Like I said, this guy was a cop, uh, not somebody who Richard could just sloppily dispose of wherever. People would come looking for this person's killer. This was not somebody that would just be forgotten. Richard left the bar, he just walked out calmly, and he waited outside for this guy to leave. And when he did, Richard watched him walk to his car about a block away and get in. And this guy was obviously pretty wasted because he just sat in his car and fell asleep. Richard came up with a plan and he thought it up quick. Instead of shooting or attacking this guy and leaving evidence all over the place, Richard walked to a nearby gas station. He filled up a container with gasoline and then he calmly walked over to this guy's car where his window was a little bit open. He tossed the gasoline into the car and quickly lit a match, tossed that in, and the guy's car set on fire and exploded. Now Richard sat across the street watching this car burn and listening to this man scream in agony as he burned to death. And as he watched that and listened to that happen, Richard felt absolutely nothing but the satisfaction of offing a man who'd slightly embarrassed him. He never spoke to anybody about that. Nobody ever came looking for him. It He was not even asked a single question about this man's death, which was obviously some sort of murder. And so again, his confidence grew. And again, he felt that control and he felt satisfied that he had wronged or he had righted a wrong in his own mind. Now Richard and the gang were soon discovered by a local mafia guy named Carmine. The mafia running the area were all old school Italians. It was the Italian mafia, which I feel like that was like the mafia. Now there's like the Russian mob and the Irish mob. And for those of you unaware, you can only be a mafia member or an Italian mafia member if you are Italian. The process of becoming an official mafia member is known as being made, but you can only be made if you are Italian. And since Richard and the boys were not Italian, I think one of them was, but 
all five of them were not, they could never be made, but they could still work for the mafia as contractors. So this guy named Carmine uh, tracked these guys down and offered them a job. And the job was simple. Gave them the name of a guy, uh, a description and a photo, and like said, told them where he lived and whatever, and told them to go kill this man. This is a very typical initiation into a gang or whatever, or into a the mob, the mafia, whatever you want to call it, um, to, you know, prove that you are not going to rat. Now you have blood on your hands so you can be trusted. So the Coming Up Roses gang accepted the job and they went out and found the mark. The person that a hitman or a, you know, contract killer is looking for to kill is referred to as the mark. So they found the mark, although it was supposed to be um, one of the other guys who pulled the trigger and who was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll kill him. And everyone's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, but he chickened out a number of times. And finally Richard was like, okay, fuck this. I'll do it. And he just shot the guy. No, oops, no questions asked, no tears shed. Their first job was a success and they made some great cash. And for a while, they did very well as a group. They didn't just murder. Um, they mostly stole goods and money off trucks and warehouses and whatever Carmine ordered them to do. And with Richard at the helm, they had a very good business going. They had a good success rate and a great reputation. These guys were living large. They were making a bunch of money off these contracts, but they were spending it all as it came in, uh, not saving a penny. Uh, they gambled and drank. They traveled first class to go to Vegas. Um, they were just completely on top of the world and none of them knew how to save or invest. And Richard said that they spent money like water. And it's not surprising. All of them kind of came from the same neighborhood. I'm sure that they all had very similar upbringings. So they didn't have their parents teaching them like how to save money or invest or do literally anything besides drink and gamble and I'm sure buy prostitutes and stuff. Although Richard apparently was not super into prostitutes. He was into older women though. Anyway, this did not last long because two of the coming up Rose's boys uh, pulled a very stupid move. They, again, they're making good money, but the, this is why all these crim the criminals end up being such idiots. Like they know how things work and then they go and do shit like this. So two of them decided that they would go rob a card game that was being run by a very big mafia made man. Um, I, I assume it's like a poker game or whatever. Now this was obviously a huge no-no. You don't go, especially as just a contractor, you don't go after actual mafia guys. Like you will die. Um, and so they covered their faces. They had like bandanas or whatever, but they didn't cover themselves up well enough because the guys at the game knew exactly who they were. Uh, and they so fuck, like it was so stupid. When word got out, one of the guys, I guess the guy who ran the game took Richard aside and told him like, here, I, we like you, you have a great reputation, we know that you weren't involved, blah, blah, blah. And Richard was like, yeah, I had no idea, I'm so sorry. Um, and Richard was not happy about it, but the guy was like, look, these guys have to die. Either you can do it or we'll do it. And Richard tried to argue, he he tried to talk this guy out of it, but he's like, no, this is, this is the way it works. This is, this can't be a shock to anybody. Upset about it, 
I guess as much as he could be, Richard turned around and killed two of his best friends in the whole world. And that sucked. It sucked for Richard because they literally, the, the Coming Up Roses gang, <laughs> they were his best and only friends. And he had to go and shoot two of them. And he he did it as, as quick as he possibly could have. He made it sure that they n- never saw it coming and they, you know, just fell down dead. But he did murder them. And that was the end of Coming Up Roses, obviously. The other two guys steered clear of Richard from then on, and I think they went on to be drug addicts. Um, But Richard was now completely alone. Carmine was in prison for who knows what. Um, So there weren't any mafia jobs coming down the pipeline for Richard. So he started, he, you know, started getting a little weird in the head. I'm sure maybe he would diagnose it as a bit of a depression now but I mean his whole psyche was just fucked from the beginning so I don't know he was just trying to like kind of find himself I guess and so he started spending his time going like getting on the ferry and going to New York City and just dicking around over there and here's the part where I really disagree with people who say that Richard was not a serial killer there's a lot of people and I don't really know too much of this argument but there's a lot of people who are like, no, he wasn't a serial killer. He was a hitman, um, which is different. And uh, those two things, I think, are different. But here, I'll tell you about Richard going over to New York and being super serial killery, if you ask me, um, according to this book. By the way, this is this book. It's called The Iceman Confessions of a Mafia Contract Killer. This is where I got a lot of the information. It's by Philip Carlo. He spent... Uh, like 250, 240 hours sitting down and talking with Richard in prison to write this book. He also spoke with Richard's family. Um, I think this is probably the best information if you are interested in learning about Richard. And he did a very good job at like writing it with a interesting narrative. Um, it reads like fiction, but it's based off of Richard's uh, statements and also, you know, police records, trial, whatever, everything that we know. Richard would go to New York and he would walk around and the second anybody bothered him in any way, he would just stab them to death or beat them to death or strangle them. He would just be out here murdering people. Um, It would happen to homeless people or gay men who hit on him. There was one gay man who he claimed kept badgering him to hang out and like that he met him at a bar and then he kept like following him. And eventually Richard just picked up a huge rock and smashed him in the head so hard that his brain splattered everywhere. Um, And he just fell down dead and Richard just walked away. Richard realized at the time that the police in the city often didn't really put much effort into investigating deaths of like undesirable people. So, you know, homeless people, the odd gay person, drug addicts, etc. New York was a pretty violent place at the time. It was pretty um, wild, wild west. Uh, it was not like today. Remember, this is the 50s at this point. So like there's no cameras, there's no DNA. There, like you could just do this. And it was really hard to prove anything you know and there was also a lot of uh, organized crime so a lot of i'm sure they assumed a lot of this was organized crime related yeah so nobody ever suspected richard in connection with any of these random murders so there was one incident uh, i think the first incident was like he was he started walking in new york and he always carried guns on him knives weapons whatever and this like homeless man kept asking him for a light for a cigarette and richard was like 
fuck you and just stabbed him and he just fell down dead and you know it's just a homeless person lying on the ground nobody thinks anything of it until you know he's been there for like a really long time so like again cannot underestimate like he killed a lot of people in new york a lot a lot and just at the drop of a hat so tell me that's not being a serial killer just it absolutely is that is being a serial killer once carmine was released from prison he uh got back in contact with richard and resumed doing business with him and this time richard was on his own and this worked well for richard richard did very well as a lone wolf although i, I think this was like probably the easiest way for him to to be i think his whole life he just all he wanted was to be loved and to be uh, accepted by other people so I don't think it was like necessarily his first choice, but it was something, it's a situation in which he thrived. I'll tell you that. Um, Richard was a perfect hitman. The mafia guys could only dream of recruiting such an ideal candidate. And remember, these guys are always trying to recruit. They always have people to kill. What made Richard such a fantastic hitman was that for one thing, he followed direction to a T. He was 100% trustworthy. He never messed around. He never tried to sneak people out of money. He just was given a job and he did it. You could trust that he wouldn't be looking in bags. He wouldn't be skimming anything off the top. He knew that the real money came from doing the job and being uh, and getting more jobs. So he wasn't going to fuck around with um, one little job and, you know, steal five grand or whatever. He was clean, he was cautious, and he was extremely efficient. And Richard did not ask questions. He knew to just mind his own business, which was smart. Now, one of the first jobs that Carmen gave him solo was to take out this car salesman. Uh, Richard didn't know anything about this guy. All he knew was that he had done something to somebody's wife, uh, and he didn't ask any more questions. But Carmine said, so I'm giving you this job and one of the uh, requests is that we want him to suffer. Richard agreed, he asked no questions and then he went off to stalk his prey. So Richard found this man um, with all the information given and he was working at his, his uh, car lot. Um, and he lured this man into a secluded location by taking a test, like pretending to be a customer. And he was, he was a great actor, by the way. Um, he, uh, pretended that he was looking for a car and asked to take a test drive for this car. Um, and the guy's like, yeah, for sure. So the two of them go out driving and he said that he wanted to go take a look under the hood to check things out. And the guy's like, yeah, for sure. Um, and while he was doing this, he, you know, uh, distracted the guy and then he smashed him on the top of the or behind from behind on the head and then he put him in the trunk of the car tied him all up and then he brought him out to the woods tied him up to a tree where he then proceeded to chop off every single one of this man's fingers one at a time while he was still alive Ugh. Um, as proof of the kill which is another thing that carmine wanted was some sort of token he brought back the man's severed head in a bag <laughs> uh carmine was very happy with this loved it couldn't get enough of it and he paid richard ten thousand dollars for this kill now remember again this was in the 50s so 10 grand like i think 10 grand is like a pretty low amount these days to murder a person but in the 50s that was like i don't know what it is now like a million dollars i don't know and this was by far not the worst thing that he did to a person 
but we'll get there. Now, Richard was cold and callous, and he was a sadistic killer. This I've established. But he also, interestingly, had a very strict moral code for himself. Richard, as a rule for himself, would never, ever do physical harm to a child. Ever. If he ever so much as saw another person harming a child, that person would likely be his next victim. Richard would also never kill women, and he really hated rapists and predators. He considered rapists to be the scum of the earth. True. Um, Interestingly, though, Richard did have no problem beating on women, including the women that he dated and married. Um, So it was like kind (laughs) of... All right. He didn't kill them, though. Um... He ended up spending a lot of time with older women. That was like a, something that he liked, I guess. Um, and he was with this one older woman named Linda for a while. And uh, they kind of like, they were sleeping with each other, but he didn't care for Linda at all. He really just liked sleeping with her, I think. Um, and at some point she ended up getting pregnant and they went on to have two kids together who Richard really did not care for. Um, He was not interested in having a relationship with her or the children, but he did get married to her, I I think, like, out of uh, his uh, obligation. Um, Although he married her, he, again, just did not have a relationship with these kids, which is really messed up considering he later goes on to have another family who he does super care about. Um, But again, we'll get there. So at this point, he's technically married, kind of, but he doesn't care about her um and has two young sons who he like pays for and whatever but he does not really have a relationship with them at all in his career goals or whatever his his uh profession he is a mafia contract hitman his reputation within the mob got to be so great and everybody wanted richard to be their hitman he was working for tons of families making tons of money um everyone went to richard when they needed a hit and richard was a killing machine and he was really really good at this job so he's killing people constantly um mostly just like shooting them and if people ask for him to do it in a super sadistic way he does it but otherwise it's just very efficient um And so he was, like, killing it professionally. (laughs) However, when he was off the job, Richard began to drink a lot. And he was a very violent drunk, just like his father. Richard would spend evenings at the bars, getting wasted, and often he would end the night with getting mad at somebody and killing them. That happened many times. Um, Interestingly, no matter how drunk he was, he was still a very proficient killer and he was very good at covering his tracks and not getting caught. Although again, it was much easier in those days. Maybe he'd leave a body out in the open, uh, but there would be no witnesses, nothing to link anything to Richard. Um, And right, no forensics or anything. So it's like, unless somebody literally saw somebody killing somebody or they left a sign so obvious, uh, there was is is hard it was hard to solve murders especially random ones and richard also anytime he did a hit he he would use a different gun like he sometimes he would use two guns to make it look like there was two killers like he had a lot of a lot of tips and tricks um to keep anybody from identifying him he was careful i'm sure it also helped that richard was a 
extremely terrifying individual with many mafia connections. So like, even if there were witnesses or people who had suspicions, I'm sure that if they were smart enough and they were, they kept their mouths shut and minded their own business. Otherwise they would probably be next, you know? Um, so all that to say, Richard was not at all doing well mentally, shocking no one. Um, huge understatement, but things kind of all came crashing down when a number of things happened one after the other. One, he got word that his brother Joseph was gay, which Richard did not like. This was obviously a very homophobic time, very homophobic place. People were not happy to hear that their relatives were gay. Uh, He actually went to a bar that he knew Joseph was going to be at and he saw Joseph making out with this guy and the guy was also dressed as a woman. uh, So another adding insult to injury. And Richard saw this, he kind of followed them into the bathroom and then he beat the shit out of both of them. Uh, And he beat this guy so badly. He didn't kill them, which I think was him being like, I'm your brother, like, it's okay. But he ended up not talking to Joseph for many years after that. And I mean, if I was Joseph, I probably wouldn't want to talk to him either. Um, Richard also then caught Linda in bed with another guy. Now, Richard had almost nothing to do with Linda or her sons at this point. However, he still felt that Linda was his property, so he was not okay with her sleeping with other people, although he went off and did whatever he wanted. Uh, A very toxic situation, if you ask me. But when Richard found Linda in bed with this guy, he beat the living shit out of this guy. And, like, so badly, Richard literally literally broke most of the bones in this man's body it was horrible and what he did to linda was just sickening brace yourselves maybe you want to fast forward this if you're a little bit queasy um when i read this part of the book i had to put it down for for a hot second um he grabbed linda he took out a knife and he sliced off both of her nipples. Her nipples. So awful. Oh, It just makes me really feel like puking a little bit. Now, lastly, the last incident that greatly affected Richard was that Carmine ended up getting killed. Now, Richard obviously didn't have anything to do with this, But given his relationship with Carmine, he decided that it was probably a good idea to lay low for a little while and not be involved in the mafia. Richard had no money due to his terrible spending and gambling problems, uh, so he had to get himself a real job. Um, It was at some sort of like factory or something or warehouse or whatever. Um, He decided he would stay there for a little bit and look out for any like opportunities that he might find where he could like steal stuff or whatever. Um, But he was good at the work and it was pretty easy for him given his general size. I think it was a lot of like lifting things, putting things on shelves or whatever. But it was there that he would meet his future wife, Barbara. And that is how I will start the next episode. Um, And that will be part two. And it will start with how he meets his wife. Now again, and, and I'd just like to say at this point, he's probably killed somewhere between like 50 and 100 people. Like I cannot underestimate how many people he's murdered. Tell me he's not a serial killer. Anyway, that's where I'm wrapping it up for today. Uh, Next week, I'll be back with part two. I'm not sure how many parts this is going to be. 
thank you so much for watching. If you made it this far, damn. Uh, and I'm so excited to see you next week. And please stay safe because you never know who's knocking. It could be Richard Konglinski. Holy shit. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Lost Line Media. Artwork by August Digital. Music by Matthew Cook.